We are going to carry on our series of Luke this morning. Um, I hope you've been enjoying Luke. You've been enjoying Luke? Good, good, good. Uh, Just extend my welcome to you if you are visiting here for the first time. Uh, If we haven't met, my name is Ian. I am one of the elders along with my friend Adam. Um, We are starting chapter 9 today. Exciting times. We have been in chapter 8 for quite a long time. Um, It's been good. I've got a lot out of it myself. I hope you have if you've been following along. Um, We've seen some amazing things over the last few weeks. Um, Last week, Herman was looking at um, Jesus being Lord over death and disease. And the week before, Adam looked at Jesus being having authority over the supernatural world. And the week before, I looked at uh, Jesus being uh, Lord and having authority over the storms. Um, But now we are moving into chapter 9. And chapter 9 is a big chapter. There are 62 verses in chapter 9. We are going to camp out in chapter 9 for a long time. Not today, so don't worry, it's going to be all right. You'll probably get home for lunch, it's going to be all right. But we are going to be in chapter 9 for so long that it will probably be around mid-February by the time we get out of chapter 9. No jokes. That's genuine. I mean, Christmas is coming as well, so we'll, we'll stop it for a little bit. So that's kind of why we're going to be there for, for a while. But we're going to be in chapter 9 for a while. Um, I, just a, a testimony, actually, before we get right into this. Um, over two weeks ago, when Adam spoke, he was speaking about Jesus having authority over um, demons and the, the, the supernatural world. God really spoke to me, and he showed me his mercy. Um, because I haven't been a, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and um, some of you will know my story. But I was quite rebellious. I got involved in lots of um, bad things, really, as I, up until about the age of 25, 26. And I always had this kind of passing interest in the kind of things, the occultish things, and wanted to know what my future was. But I never got involved in that. Never got involved in that. And as Adam put the list up about all of the things that are really unhelpful for us to be involved in, and if you didn't hear that, I'd really encourage you to go back onto our website and and listen to that sermon, because it it was really helpful. Um, I just felt God speak to me, and he showed me his mercy for me, because I got involved in so many things. Um, I was in trouble with the police. I got in I was in fights all the time. I took drugs. You know, I, I did it all, and there was nothing to stop me from getting involved in that stuff, actually. But by his mercy, he kept me from that. He kept me from that. And I was just so overcome, actually, by God's grace and mercy in my life that even back then, he kept me from that sort of stuff. And I was just so grateful for that. So, just a little testimony. So... If you didn't hit listen to didn't wasn't here for that, I would encourage you to listen to um, Adams from a couple of weeks ago. So, chapter nine, Jesus. Now he's uh, moved on from showing that he's got authority to giving authority. What we're going to look at today, he's saying, "Look, I've done all this stuff. Now you go." So let's read from chapter nine, verse one. It's going to appear on the screen as well. But you can do it the old-fashioned way, see this thing with leather and stuff and paper. You can read it in your Bible as well. So from verse 1, it says, And he, that's Jesus, called the twelve together 
and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as testimony against them. And they departed and went through villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed. Because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead. By some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded. But who is this about whom I hear such things, and he sought to see them. So Jesus <clears throat> is sending them out to tell people about the kingdom and to heal the sick. His message is physical and spiritual, to proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus spends quite a bit of time speaking about the kingdom of God. And if you think about the kingdom of God, can you give a good explanation of what the kingdom of God is? The message of the kingdom is the realm on earth where God has become king. It's where God rules and reigns. He has driven out things that ruled and reigned in my life, and he has taken their place. It can happen in a person, but it can also happen in a community as well. In a civilization, it's wherever God has become king. And there are signs of the kingdom, like freedom, joy, peace, healing, comfort for those who mourn. And we might think, you know, well, if Jesus is king and the kingdom is here, well, shouldn't we expect to see more? More prayers answered, more healings, more success, more justice. But just, I mean, when it comes to healing, for those that are in Christ, God never says no. Sometimes it's straight away. Sometimes it's later. And sometimes it's in eternity. That's when we will be healed. Because if you are in Christ, you have an eternal hope. What we look at, and when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, what um, theologians might call inaugurated eschatology. Inaugurated eschatology means the end, and it means it's been inaugurated now when Jesus came. And the now starts with Jesus. And it's why we can pray for healing now, because Jesus has come and the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. Death does not have the final say. But we live in that tension now between the now, when it has been inaugurated, but the end, when Jesus returns, because that's what the Bible tells us, that Jesus will return one day, and there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, and it will be glorious. But we live in that tension right now. But we need to keep praying. Just to help give us a little... Um, uh, <clears throat> resume, a little update of what that kingdom, when we're talking about the kingdom, 
just helpful to have it in our mind. So he, he sends them out and he gives them authority and power. Authority and power. Now, authority is the right to do something. And power is the ability to do it. Authority is the right to do something, and power is the ability to do it. And there's no point having one without the other. Jesus is saying here, as we've gone through chapter 8, he's saying, look, look what I can do. I I can calm... storms, um, I, I can cast out demons, I can pray for the sick and see them healed, look what I can do and now I'm giving it the power and authority to you, now go and do it although I've never prayed for the weather in its change, I must admit um, but <clears throat> I would love for that power wouldn't you, anyway, especially when I've been on a roof a few times um, but he's saying now look, I've done this Look what I can do now. I'm giving you the power and the authority to go and do it. Adam said the other week when he was preaching um, about uh, Legion, the guy with the many demons, um, he said this is where the disciples started, to go and cast out demons. That's just the beginning bit. And we as kind of Christians today, we go, oh, yeah, we, like to, we, can, we can do this stuff. We can may, maybe tell people about our faith. We can... Possibly pray for the sick. Ooh, cast out demons. No. No, but this is where the disciples started. And they were to go and proclaim. Proclaim. Now, the definition of proclaim means to announce officially or publicly or indicate clearly. Announce officially or publicly or indicate clearly. And that's what he's sending out the disciples to do. To proclaim. To proclaim the kingdom has come. He's saying, I'm here. He doesn't send them off and say, look, go off to the towns and villages. And look, if you pass by and anyone by in the off chance asks you about your faith, maybe bring it up and just say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe I am sort of a Christian. No, he says, go and proclaim clearly announce officially or publicly, indicate clearly. That's what he's saying. Not on the off chance. You can tell I'm quite passionate about mission. This, this is what he's sending them out to do. He, he's to tell them the kingdom is near. And he's saying, it means I'm here. Jesus has come. And there's healing for your heart and for your body. That salvation is on offer and it's a body and soul experience. The power as well that Jesus gives to the twelve, it would seem doesn't remain with them until the book of Acts and Pentecost with the glorious pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Where we, all of us here gathered now, we can receive the Holy Spirit and we can all pray for the sick. And we can proclaim the kingdom, the gospel, that Jesus has come. The Son of God came and died on a cross because we were separated from God by our sin. And that we could not earn our way back to God. But Jesus paid the price. And those that are in Christ that say that he is Lord and to put to their account what he did can know God and have life and life in all its fullness. 
Can I just ask you a question? If someone asked you, what is the gospel, could you explain it to them? Could you explain what the gospel is? Because it is really helpful to be able to be short and concise in explaining what the gospel is. I just find it really helpful, actually, if, if you think, well, I could probably say it, but it might be a bit mumbled and it might take me a little while. Read little things like th- these tracks can just help you be clear in your mind to say, right, how could I just put this in a language? Some, some of these can be a bit wordy and stuff, but how can, this, how can I make this in kind of accessible language to the people that I might speak to? It's really important because we are disciples of Christ. Amen? We are sent out to proclaim the kingdom. What does proclaim mean? To announce officially or publicly and indicate clearly. So I just encourage you to be able to do that, to be able to explain what the gospel is and also what has happened to you because personal testimony is really powerful. And to pray for the sick. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Praying for the sick. And as I said, when talking about the kingdom, not everyone is healed. But the promise is that all will be healed when we meet Jesus. It's in this life or the next. But... We mustn't let disappointment put us off. I don't know about you, but I've sometimes prayed for people and they haven't been healed. And I've thought, yeah, that was difficult. And I haven't done it again for a while. But I have prayed for people and they have been healed. But we must not let disappointment put us off. There's an interesting statistic. Are you ready for this? Who loves a good stat? The more people we pray for, the more people will get healed. Are you, did you hear that? The more people we pray for, the more people will get healed. So you're improving your chances for people to be healed the more people you pray for, okay? So don't let disappointment put you off. And then it moves into verse 3, and there's these kind of what might appear strange instructions from Jesus. He says... Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. I mean, we all need two tunics, don't we, really? One of the purposes of that is so that they could travel lightly and move quickly, and that Jesus' message of the kingdom had come to not offer wealth as well. But what he's really, as well, telling the disciples here is to burn their resources, really. To burn their resources of the world, not to rely on their own abilities and their own understanding. He's saying, depend on me as you go. Now, he's called us, all of us. First, our call is to Jesus, to be sons and daughters. But we're also ambassadors, and he gives us assignments as well. And he's saying here, get rid of everything that you think might make you strong or, or self-reliant. So he's saying, get rid of your staff for protection. Get rid of your bag for supplies. Get rid of bread, so the food or money, which is your own provision. 
But we often want to know the why and the how before we go. Well, Jesus, I just want to, I'm not quite clear about this thing first. No, when Jesus says go, you go. And it's easy to get caught up in comfort in the part, especially in the part of the world we live in. But sometimes the call is uncomfortable. And the call comes and the sending comes at great cost. But he wants a life for you and for me and a life that is in all its fullness. And we can sometimes think, well, why am I not living a full life that was promised in this book that I see the excitement in this? It might be because you need to die to some stuff. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says, Lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. See, leaning on your own understanding could be, well, I I need this stuff. Lord, if if you're sending me, I'm going to need this stuff. I need protection. I need the staff. I need my provision. I need the money, Lord, if I'm going to go. But God wants us to be in a place where we depend on him totally. Reaching people, preaching the gospel needs to go beyond our comfort. If you want evangelism or witnessing to be comfortable, you will be disappointed because it will never be comfortable. It's not supposed to be. I hate to break that to you, but it's never going to be comfortable. Give up trying to be comfortable in evangelism and witnessing. It will always be uncomfortable. Stepping out of your comfort zone means it's uncomfortable. Comfort zone is comfort. Out of your comfort zone is uncomfortable. Okay? I have been to uncomfortable places to share my faith. Now, I'm not putting this out here because I think I am excellent and I have got this all covered because I haven't. And I struggle. But I've been to some difficult and uncomfortable places. I remember a few years ago sitting in a bedsit with lots of people smoking drugs because I wanted to go and share my faith in an environment that I would would have been in myself several years ago. I I went out one night with a guy who was a, um, a sort of semi-professional entertainer and I was basically his roadie for the night and I carried all his speakers and stuff and, and, and was, I had to drive him home because he was so drunk by the end of the evening. I was out till 2am because I wanted to share my faith with him. I remember another time I was playing pool with um, a, a guy who I knew <clears throat> was one of the drug dealers from one of the people from the bedsit before. And I went out and played pool with this guy. And he was telling me how good he was at pool and he played in this pool league. I mean, I beat him, actually. <coughs> um, I had to put that in. I used to play a lot of pool. Um, and it was uncomfortable. And, and he was a bit volatile. And I thought, well, I want to beat him anyway. So, but I'm not quite sure how this is going to go. <coughs> I've been in other countries doing kind of evangelistic outreach stuff approaching people that don't speak my language. I've only speak in two languages. I speak English and I speak in tongues. They're the only languages I can speak. I can order 
um, beer and cake in most languages. So I can survive wherever I go, pretty much, but I can really only speak two languages. And, but that wasn't comfortable for me, those situations. I didn't go into them thinking, wow, this is going to be so much fun. This is going to be great. No, I went in going, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I want to be at home. Because my flesh, the flesh says, be comfortable. The flesh says, oh, don't do this. Just sit at home. There's so many things on TV you could watch. Sometimes you need to challenge your friends and family because people are asleep. See, asking questions that make people think can be uncomfortable. It might feel uncomfortable to ask people that you're nearest and dearest or people that you might just think you have a good friendship with or you're just forming friendships with to ask them questions that wake them up. Good questions might open eyes that eventually lead to life. People speak in cliches and jargon all the time. I, I know I've been doing Alpha for over 10 years and people come up with all sorts of beliefs, but it's often in cliches and, and jargon that they've kind of mishmashed together from all different um, areas of life. Um, <clears throat> for an example, people... Like I've spoken to people who might believe that everybody's good and everyone, you know, after, after this life, everyone goes to heaven. Well, it's good to ask a question then in that situation. Well, do you really believe that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Everyone goes, okay. So what about people like, you know, throw in a, a dictator or two? Do they go there? <coughs> well, no, no, they don't go there. Okay, well, where do they go? Oh, well, they go to hell. Oh, right. So who decides who goes to hell? It's just about asking questions that might make people think. But it's uncomfortable. Oh, all roads lead to God. Do you, do you believe that? And then it's good to point out differences and contradictions between religions. Jesus is sending out the 12 with very little provision, and he's saying, move. This is going to be uncomfortable, but he's saying, ultimately, this is so you can move fast, you can reach people, and it, but it's going to be uncomfortable. And without provision as well, it's drawing others in, that they can then provide for them. Because without this stuff, we, we can get weighed down by stuff, it could be possessions, it could be jobs, it could be house, it, it, it could be our families. And we can make excuses, oh, Jesus, I, I, I just can't do that because of my house or my family, my job. Well, how about taking your family on mission? Some people miss out on a great God adventure because of their attachment to earthly things. 1 Peter 3.15 says about being pre always prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Well, maybe we might be asked more if our hope doesn't look like we've got the hope in the same things as everyone else. <clears throat> if we trust in God that our reward is great in heaven. 
We see later on with these disciples how they behave in Acts, in the book of Acts, when with others they would sell their possessions and distribute the proceeds. This was a radical lifestyle because they had met with Jesus. It's about believing that this isn't just it because that is so easy to get sucked into. This is it and we need to make ourselves comfortable. But this isn't our home. This isn't our final destination. And what happens here, how we act, affects what is next. Because we can look at life and we can think, well, it, it looks a bit dangerous and I'm just going to go to the next one and it, it kind of looks, I'm going to take a big step next, but, well, well yeah, that, that's, that's it's kind of, it, yes, it is a bit dangerous. Lord, I'm, I've made a step for you, but I, I'm not sure if I can do any more. I'm just going to kind of maybe push it all together. Well, this, it's just a bit safer, Lord, just to sit down and I'm, I'm going to go to church and, well, I might, I might join a rotor, but Lord, this is much safer. And I'm just going to pray, can you keep me from danger? And then maybe, maybe you can, I don't know, take me in my sleep. And then I can wake up and I'm in glory. But we are missing out on an adventure. We are missing out on, one, on so much more. Because he's got so much more than just a safe little life. Especially in an area like this that we live in. We can think we're living in, a, in peacetime. Interesting that this is today. We, we think that we're living in peacetime when actually we're at war. Christ and Satan, truth and falsehood, belief and unbelief. And our weapons aren't guns or swords or bombs, but the gospel and prayer and sacrificial love. The stakes are so high as well in this conflict, they are higher than any other war in history because the stakes are eternal and infinite. Heaven or hell, eternal joy or eternal torment. That's what's at stake. So let's not settle for comfort. Let's take a bigger leap. Let's be prepared to leave stuff behind in our journey with Christ. Are you ready for adventure? Because I believe he's calling you out of a comfort zone that you might be in right now. And also, are you ready for disappointment? Let's read on. In verse 5, it says, Wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as testimony against them. Firstly, this is a visible sign that illustrates the future judgment of those who reject Jesus. It's something the Jews would do upon leaving a Gentile or pagan area as it was unclean. They would shake the dust off their feet. It expresses separation from God. I think it's also showing us that not everyone will accept Christ. Jesus said in Luke 10 that, that they reject me and they'll reject you. Are you ready for that? For disappointment? If Christ was rejected whilst he was on earth, then of course we will be rejected. And there will be pain and disappointment in that. He wants us to take risks. 
when we pray for revival, we want to see seven oaks transformed by the power of the gospel for the kingdom of God and for his glory. And if, if and when revival sweeps through, I don't think everyone will give, get saved. And we will face disappointment and it will be difficult. Even being on Alpha, running Alpha and uh, leading groups is, even Nicky Gumbel describes it as the most thrilling yet most disappointing thing that he's ever been involved in. Because you just so want these people to come and then they come for a week and then you don't see them again. So be prepared. Be prepared to take risks. Be prepared to step out of your comfort zone. But don't be surprised by disappointment. And verse 6, the most surprising thing, they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. These ragtag bunch that were put together with no qualifications, they go. Oh, okay. And Adj and I would speak talking about it yesterday. You think about who was in that 12. Thomas, Judas, they went. Verse 7 shows as well that obviously there was some success. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening and he was perplexed. It shows us there was obviously some success and they're thinking, well, uh, John, this can't be John. We chopped his head off. It can't be John. It might be a risen prophet. Yeah, that could be it. But it, what it does, it leads to the most important question. Is John is say, Herod is saying, who is this? Who is this? It's the same question that the disciples are asking and others in chapter 8. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? Is he Lord? Is he liar? Is he lunatic? This question ends up with Herod meeting Jesus in chapter 23. He was so keen to, for him to, to see a miracle. But will you accept him as Lord? Are you ready to let him into your life and change you forever? to take you on an adventure that actually just your normal life could not take you on. My life has been so transformed through knowing Jesus. Are you ready to accept that Jesus knows everything about you? He accepts that at times you may have rejected him. A bit like we heard Rachel reading the um, prodigal son story, that, but he is standing with open arms wanting to receive you this morning. Who is this? Who do you say he is? And will you accept him this morning? And you can do that quite simply just by asking him to come into your life.
and ask him for forgiveness. It's that simple. And you can have an opportunity to do that right now. Why don't we just bow our heads? And I'm going to pray. And if you want to do that, if you want to say, yeah, I think Jesus is Lord, you can just pray this prayer after me. So let's just all bow our heads. And you can just say this in the quietness of your own heart. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you love me. Please, now, come into my life and by the help of your Holy Spirit, help me follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment. If you just prayed that prayer, could you just raise your hand just so I can see it? Thank you, Lord. Okay. So, are you, you can raise, open your eyes again. You can, are you ready to live in, to walk in the power and the authority that you've been given. I feel like I want to just pray over us again as a church to freshly commission us to go and to proclaim clearly the kingdom is near. The kingdom has come. So I just want to pray over us as a church. Lord, thank you that you loved us, that you have saved us, and Lord, that you also want to send us out to proclaim the kingdom and heal the sick. And I I just pray, Lord, now will you um, help us as we step out again, Lord. Help us speak to our friends, to our neighbours, to our family. Lord, I commission the church again to go out and be bold, to, to speak truth and life, to help us awaken from our sleepy state, to step out of our comfort, Lord, to realize that we are in a state of war, that we are not in peace times, Lord, but there are people, Lord, that are going um, to spend eternity apart from you. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, will you come and fill us again? Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us afresh. Empower us, embolden us. Pray for fresh authority and power as we go. Thank you, Jesus. The call, the sending is what makes your life distinctive. We all want to make a difference. We want to be remembered, but the only true lasting meaning is to listen to this call on your life. This is a whole new agenda, and it doesn't just fit into your agenda. It's not a life to enrich your current life, 
It's a call to live a whole new life. I just want to read over you Hebrews. I came across this this morning. Hebrews 13, 13. It says, Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Lord, I pray that over us this morning as a church, that we have, we realize we are not in a lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.